0: Some worship, man. Come on. Yeah. You know, we started singing that song, "Raise a Hallelujah," and I was glad I was sitting in the front row. You couldn't see me because I was just pouring out tears. <laughs> um, yeah. I started hearing The first time I heard that song is we were dealing with the pandemic and everything was shutting down. The world was in chaos, and I was sitting alone in the auditorium of the church that I was leading at the time. Uh, and it was middle of the night. I was getting ready to do a Facebook Live broadcast. And I just cranked that. I think I blew a speaker, but um, I know just crying out to God and crying personally, saying, "I, I raise the hallelujah!" No matter what we're walking through, what a what a great reminder for that uh, man. Today is Sunday, yeah. Sunday is our fun day, and I love the fact that we can come and worship and sing praises of God and continue to celebrate life change through His Son Jesus Christ. And a good morning to all of you who are joining us online. We love the fact that we can connect to you that way, and we'd love to have you come see us if you can and hang with us, Um, but we, you know, technology is an amazing thing when it works, right? Um, When it doesn't work, uh, we we have some issues, we get frustrated, Uh, so I shared this last week, I don't know if you're here, but we're trying to build that team, our production team, look at this, let me just promo. All right, all right. production team, Uh, we're trying to build that team. We have some amazing things coming up we're planning, uh, but it takes more people to be a part of that. If you're a behind-the-scenes person and you have some tech-savvy way more than me, we want you, all right? (laughs) We want you to be a part of this so we can continue to reach people outside these walls with the message of hope of Jesus Christ changes everything. If you are new with us, welcome. Welcome to Vertical Church, man. We love the fact that you are here. We love the fact you got up and saw those raining and still went outside and got in your car and to come hang with us on a Sunday morning as we chase this life, uh, what it looks like to live with and live for Jesus Christ. We hope that you feel welcome and wanted that you come back and hang with us next week as we walk through this new series. Gang, open your Bibles, if you would. Open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. We're going to get there in a few minutes. Colossians chapter 1, verse 1. As we step into this new series, Fixer Upper, we're going to be walking through this. We're going to be faced with a really hard question that we're going to have to answer throughout this entire series, and this is the question. Do you have the guts to do a whole life renovation? Do you have the guts for a whole life renovation? Are you brave enough? Are you bold enough? Are you courageous enough? To let God take the raw materials of in your life, of you, and mold it and shape it and make it into the masterpiece he already sees. Last phrase, already sees. He already sees you as his masterpiece. We let him mold you and shape you. Do you have the guts to walk through this series and let God do just that. I think everybody in this room has watched or, or heard of a, a show. Maybe if you're willing to admit it, you were hooked on it when it was very, very popular. And it was a series titled Fixer Upper. All right? Has anybody, can you show me? you heard that sort of Fixer Upper? Okay. It's, it's a series who follows a couple down in Texas, uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines. And I just absolutely love these guys, if you ever watch a show, you know what I mean? I absolutely love these guys. And if you watch it, you know that Joanna is the one who, is, who has all the creativity. She is the one that keeps things all under control. And Chip, well, that dude's just plain crazy, okay? <laughs> um, he's pretty, pretty crazy. But in this show, the, these couple, this couple is contracted by a client to renovate a house Either one that, either one that they find, one of the three that they find, or the one that the person already owns, and they're contracted to come in and renovate their home. And the whole show, as you're watching it, is watching this renovation take place. And at the end, they have this: "What? This? Are you ready to see your fixer upper?" And they pull it across, and there's this huge reveal. Um, it's a before and after story that I think that everybody loves. And they take this ugly, sometimes unlivable, unlivable house and transforms it into this beautiful home. Sometimes when they pick this home, I'm looking at them like, I don't see it. <laughs> and, you know, and Joanna's there drawing on all I see right here. I'm like, what? I just see like <laughs> dead animals in a corner and this is just nasty. <laughs> but they see a masterpiece. And they take it, take this house that has zero love, zero renovate, or out completely outdated, and they renovate it. Now, the renovate just simply means to restore to a previous condition, to make new again, to revive or to refresh, and that's exactly what they do. Now, I'm also sure that everybody in this room has been a part of or you have known someone who's gone through a renovation in their home. Maybe you renovated your kitchen or your bathroom or your entire home. And if you're anything like me when it comes to renovations, man, they scare the thunder out of me. They absolutely scare me because I never know what's gonna happen. It never goes as I imagine. You put a hammer and nails in my hand, and people should be nervous. Just wanna throw that out there, okay? Um, in fact, several years ago, uh, up in Pennsylvania, we were renovating this old church building. We we're getting ready to do a church plant. And we're renovating this entire, it's a 150-year-old building. You can imagine what it looked like. Beautiful stained glass windows, hard floors, and everything like that. But uh, we were doing some work, and I switched the whole auditorium around. I just turned it, turned it all around. And I used their, their stage as a sound booth, and I used their sound booth as a stage. Just I flipped the whole thing around. But as we were doing this, there needed to be a wall built behind the new, where the new sound booth was going to be. And guess who built it? Yay! All right. So the, the wall was like 20 foot high and like 15 to 20 foot wide, and I was putting it all up, and I was saying, "This is looking pretty amazing." Well, then the professionals showed up, and these professional contractors were going to build these brand new bathrooms behind this wall that connects to it. And they came up to me when they're getting started and said, "Rich, do you know who built that wall?" And <laughs> I said, "Man." Why? He says, the whole thing's out of square. I said, what are you talking about? He says, as it goes up, it leans forward to an inch or two by the time it gets to the top. And I looked at him, I just folded my arms, looked at the wall. Amateurs. <laughs> <laughs> and then I looked at him and said, dude, I'm so sorry it was me. You know, just do what you can. You know, That's the way it is. But anyways, um, <laughs> fixer-up stories, fix up projects are a part of life. You know, when things get built and brand new, they look absolutely amazing. But over time, they start to get worn down and beat up. You know, those holes in the wall, fabric starts to tear, rust sets in, paints get scraped, and things don't look like they used to. Life has taken its toll, and as things get goes on, they've been neglected or abused or broken and beat up. Now, you don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to be a follower of Jesus to know what I'm talking about, to understand what I'm talking about. You know that life can beat you up. You know life can wear you down. And you've walked through life wondering, like, okay, how did I end up here? How did I end up looking like this? And if that's you in this room, you're trying to kick the can or kick the tires on what it means to follow Jesus. I mean, I want to encourage you as we walk through this series to, to dig in. Don't get freaked out and run out. Hold on, because you can see how God, how much God loves you and what he has for you. And the rest of us in this room, we're going to walk through this process together. And we're going to walk through, and we're going to dig in, and we're going to check some things in our lives, and we're going to see, okay, what does God want from us? And we're going to have to make that decision. Do I have the guts to do a whole life renovation, or am I going to run away scared? You ready for this? Who here is scared? Come on, you should be. I am. (laughs) All right, right now you're open to the book of Colossians. Colossians is an amazing book. It was written by a guy named Paul who was a follower of Jesus. Paul was, if you ever did a study on Paul, he was an amazing guy in Scripture because he he hated Jesus. He hated the church. And God radically changed his life when he came to Christ. Jesus changes everything. And he gave his whole life to share the gospel with as many people as possible. He, shared, he went traveled all over the Mesopotamia area and he shared the message of hope. He planted churches. He raised leaders. And the other thing he did is he wrote letters. He wrote letters to churches and Colossians is one of those letters. You know, when we get into this, um, in the first century, when Paul was writing this letter, Christianity was facing some really severe and hard challenges. It wasn't accepted at that time, like there's this new thing about, about being called the way or a Christ follower, and people would just keep on pushing back. It was a time that was very complex and confusing for people. It was a very intellectually driven world. False teachers started stepping in, urging Jesus' followers to move away from their Christian roots and to accept what, what the rest of the world was doing. They're like, okay, look over here. We have, we have something new, something even better. You can have Jesus plus this. And that is what it means to follow him. And then everybody's doing it, so you should do too. Well, you know, as I look around our society, as I read the papers, and as I watch the news, man, it is, man, it's pretty much the same. Not much has changed in 2,000 years. We still live in a very complex and confusing And a very intellectually driven world. And God's people are still being bombarded from every direction. The truth has become irrelevant in this world because they're they're qualifying the truth as whatever you believe to be true, that is truth. That's crazy. And we're being challenged to set our morals our values as followers of Jesus, our foundations aside and embrace what the world says is good because everybody else is doing it, a world where anything goes. You know, unfortunate, an unfortunate part of this is the church. The church is starting to take on this corrosion in life. The church that was supposed to be a bright light, a beacon of hope to the world is starting to die out. The church, those who say, yes, they're followers of Jesus, they're Christ followers, talk like everyone else. We make decisions just like society. We love the world we see in all our TV shows, and we raise our children based on the cultural shifts that are happening all around us. And Christians and the church have been fighting this battle since the birth of the church. Almost 2,000 years ago, Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians, Is evidence to this. And I'm so thankful that he wrote it. I'm so thankful that God has preserved it. And we have an opportunity this morning to open up and read it and challenge of our lives because it not only reveals the problem, God also reveals the solution. The renovation process that we're going to do, walk through to turn things around. So if you have your Bibles, your Bible app's open. You know, kick that open right there. Where we get into it. You can be writing it. It should be underlined. You should be highlighting, taking notes. If you don't have something, we will have it on the screen. But Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 1. says, Paul, an apostle of Christ, Jesus, by the will of God, and by Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Let's just stop right there. I love how Paul begins this letter as he's talking because he sets the tone for the conversation. He sets the tone for the rest of his letter that we're gonna be walking through. One, Paul is speaking as someone authority of Jesus Christ. He's an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. That's what he was called to do. Two, he was speaking directly to Jesus' followers. Brothers and sisters means those who are part of the church family. He wasn't speaking to the people who don't know Jesus. And so often you and I get caught in this world that we see someone like, man, they're absolutely horrible. Why would they act like a follower of Jesus? Well, they don't know Jesus. You can't expect someone to act like Jesus unless they know Jesus, right? Right? And then three, he points to who they are. Paul says, okay, you are holy people, holy set-apart people. That's what holy means, set-apart people in Jesus Christ. And I love that because too often in this world, we hear and we're told about who we're not. Constantly we're getting bombarded: you're not this, you're not good enough, you can't do that. But he says, this is who you are. You're a holy, set-apart people, God's special creation called to be a part of his church. And as we walk through this series, friends, we need to keep that in front of us, keep that in mind that that is who we are in Jesus. But then he goes on, he says, verse 3, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all of God's people. Faith and love that spring from hope stored up you in heaven, but which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way the gospel is bearing fruit, growing throughout the whole world, just as has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Let's just stop there again. He is pointing to the hope that they, ha- they have in heaven. He is pointing to him, saying, re- re- lift up praises to how the gospel is bearing fruit in all the people around you. That the word of God is being shared. The word of Jesus is being spread. And people are surrendering their lives to it. We praise God for that. And then he points back, he says, and I praise God for what he's doing in you. It's bearing fruit. The gospel's bearing fruit, evidence of life change, and that is evidence in your life, too. Man, I tell you what, that's a truth for every one of us in here to hear, who has surrendered life to Jesus Christ, that we should be praising God for the work he's doing in our lives I can't imagine where I'd be without Jesus Christ. He has radically transformed my life. Continue reading, it says in verse 9. It says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continue to ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Stop there again. As your pastor... This is my heart for you. This is my heart for your life, for this church, that you know God's will for your life, that you not only know it, but you believe it, and you will live it, and you start experiencing God's best. But God's will is a tough one. God's will is a tough one. I'm sure if you're here or if you're watching or listening online, you know, you're walking this idea, okay, what's God's will for my life? If you're in this room and you said yes to Jesus Christ, I'm sure you've asked before or said some point to your spouse or your friend, like, God, what is your will for me? Show me. Come on. Good. Because now we're going to get some answers. He says, we continue to ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding the Spirit gives, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit residing in in the life of every believer. And he goes on and says, so that, so that, and here's the core of this entire series, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. That is God's will for your life. That you live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. And that's my prayer. That's my prayer for you. My prayer for this church. My prayer for all of us. That we live a life that's worthy of the Lord, worthy of His love, worthy of His sacrifice that was poured out on the cross. That when God looks down into our lives as individuals, as follower of Jesus Christ, He's not going, "What is up?" <laughs> that he's looking down into the life of his child and is pleased. And that, my friends, is our blueprint. That is our blueprint. That our a blueprint for your life, my life, our life, the goal of this entire series is no different than God's will for your life. That we come to the end of this understanding that we are to live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. And right now, you're looking at me and you're thinking, because again, I can see the thought bubbles like, come on, Rich, that's really vague. You're asking yourself, okay, what does it mean to be worthy of the Lord? What does it mean to please him in every way? I even want to ask that question. Well, that's why we're walking through this series. Surprise! Well, Paul continues to walk us through this. Look at verse 11. I mean, excuse me, verse 10. He says, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, please him in every way, it goes on and says, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might that you may have great endurance and patience. Okay, let's just stop here again. This is why. This is the blueprint. Live a life worthy of the Lord and please in every way that we are, we are doing. Bearing fruit in every good work. That means there's evidence. Evidence in our life that we are becoming more like Christ. Evidence that we, in our lives are becoming more like Christ and less like the world. One of our core values, you see it on a wall, maybe just kind of walk right by it, is growing people change. Yeah. Then it goes on, he says, okay, growing in the knowledge of God. Okay, what does that mean? Uh, growing in a knowledge of God. That's what it means. It means we're picking up this book. Oh, he's getting on a soapbox again. You're going to tell us to read the Bible. I told you it was going to happen every week. <laughs> that we're opening up this book. We're learning about who God is and how awesome he is and how much he loves us and what he's done for us and how he's faithful. He would never fear because he's always present. We learn in the knowledge of God. And then it goes on and it says, being strengthened with all the power all the power to his glorious might so you may have great endurance and patience. Why why would Paul say that as Jesus followers, that we need all the power of Jesus in our lives to have great endurance? Because he knows. Because he knows as followers, Jesus, we're walking with Jesus, man, we're gonna take hits. We're gonna take on a little corrosion from the world. We're going to get pressured. We're going to get punched. We're going to get hurt. And he says, listen, I want you of all the power of Jesus to continue to move forward and bring me glory. The problem is we still live in a broken world. We live in a world that is corrupted by sin. We live in a world that's growing in disgust. And distaste for God and Jesus Christ, and it wants nothing to do with them. And as it gets worse, as it gets harder, man, we are getting bombarded by its views, its philosophy, its belief systems that wants us to change, to become more like them, and live in a way that completely contradicts His Word. That's why we need a blueprint. if you were to talk to any contractor not this contractor (laughs) when it comes to building anything they always have a set of prints when it came to building this building, there's a set of prints why? is it to complicate things? no and so they know the outcome before they even start what is the goal? where do you want to be? what do we want it to look like when we're all done? They don't look at the things and go, okay, well, you know, I'm going to do what I want. We're going to see what happens. No. Any contractor worth his weight in salt has some kind of plan. Then I was walking with a board and a saw and a hammer and a nail like, here we go. If they do... They are what menards and Home Depot and Lowe's call weekend warriors. <laughs> and like it or not, friends, we live in a time where the church is becoming a bunch of weekend warriors. And maybe that is that maybe it's a wrong phrase to use because many followers of Jesus are choosing not even to come to church. So how can we be warriors on the weekend when they're staying at home? The church is setting the blueprint of life aside and try to figure out everything out on their on their own and by themselves. We figure, okay, we'll add a little bit of this because that's going to make them happy. We'll add a little bit of that because that's going to make them happy. And we're going to pull it together. You know, I don't quite see how this is going to fit into my life, but you know what? I got a ten pound sledgehammer and I'm going to put that in there, regardless. Why? Because I want to follow my own. Who here has been doing some project? And you had a, you're you like, oh, I it doesn't fit, but I'm going to hammer it in place. I'm about a half inch too long on this board, but I'm going to make it stand vertical. Whack! That is what's happening in the church. And the reality is every time we do, every time the churches choose to, to make a decision that lives a life that's contradictory to God's desire, his will for a life, we walk up to the project of life and hit another hole. Every time we refuse to forgive, every time that we gossip, every time that we cheat, every time that we steal, every time we stare at pornography, every time we get drunk, every time we get high, every time we cuss someone out, every time we erupt in anger and go into a rage, every time we hurt our spouse verbally or emotionally, every time, every time, We are just not beating up our own lives. We are breaking his heart. God has given us a blueprint for what he desires from us. Says, live a life worthy of the Lord and please me in every way. In the next few weeks, we're going to be building this. We're going to be walking through this together. We're going to be working at this together. We're going to be sweating through this together. We're going to be crying through this together to get life back on track. We're going to take on a renovation. And how do we do that? How do we get there? Well, it starts like every other project. It starts with the foundation. It starts with the foundation. I love how Paul leads us to this. You drop down to verse 13 in your Bibles, it says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The foundation of our lives Can be nothing short of Jesus. This is project critical. Now listen, I know That I may sound like I'm gonna repeat on this. A few weeks you're like, Rich, you kind of said that a couple times last couple months, you know, you gotta keep on hearing like, yeah, I did. Because this is too important to get wrong. Jesus said himself, the house that is built on, not as built on truth of his word is will destined to crash. That when the storms of life happen, when time happens, the beat ups happen. And trust me, their will and they're coming, and maybe you're experiencing Him this morning. Everything will come tumbling down if your foundation is not in Jesus. So we have to be honest. We have to be honest with ourselves and our own, look in our own lives. What is the foundation of our lives? This is where we start. What's holding you up? What's holding you together? Let me just share what the world says what it needs to be, your foundation. It needs to be your money. The world says it needs to be your bank account, your stock options, your job, your position of authority, your intellect, your own ability, your own skill. That is the foundation for you for life. The success, success of your business. Back in Pennsylvania, natural gas is a huge industry. About eight years ago or more, they came, natural gas was found and big companies came in and they started pulling natural gas from the ground and it was absolutely crazy. It, it transformed the whole area that we were a part of. And many farmers who had thousand, you know, a couple thousand acres or hundreds of acres or whatever, man, they went from the poorhouse to the penthouse. They got, started getting some major royalty checks. I mean, they went from getting, uh, making like 50, maybe 50 or 30 grand a year, just getting by, and they started making about uh, 900,000. And it was so crazy that these farmers would be best friends from one side of the road to the other. This guy had gas royal, royalties, and this guy didn't. He had the penthouse. He was in the poorhouse. Divided people. It was absolutely insane. Well, people started getting their royalty checks, and started living life on the fast lane. They're buying things that they never had before. They started living in a way that they never lived before. And it was awesome. They're like, man, look at all this stuff. It's absolutely amazing. So oh, no. about five years later, they started capping wells. And that royalty check went away. And people started living, understanding, like, oh man, that, that check was our foundation. And lives started crumbling all around. Land started going up for sale. Houses started going up for sale. Farms started shutting down. It was crazy. Our foundation in life is a relationship in Christ. Look back. Look how Paul sets this whole thing up. He says, He goes, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That is our foundation, our personal relationship with Jesus. But I love, love, love Scripture, because Paul clarifies who Jesus is in the next few verses. Look at verse 15. It says, the Son, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, firstborn signifying headship, firstborn signifying authority over those things. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, invisible and invisible, whether in thrones and powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, verse 18, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn among the dead, so in everything that he may have supremacy. Verse 19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him and reconcile himself all things, whether in things on earth or in heaven, making peace through the blood that was shed on the cross. Friends, if you read those verses, if you read that those verses, Five or six verses of scripture, and that doesn't blow your mind. I don't know what will. Did did you just hear who Jesus is? That Jesus God incarnate, meaning Jesus is God in human nature. And Jesus created everything from nothing. He created everything for nothing for Him. He is the authority, Jesus Christ, over all creation, over heaven and earth, and he holds everything together. That's Jesus. Just think how vast the stars and spaces, how the planets rotate on the perfect axis, how the seasons change, how the miracle of babies being born and crops grow. Jesus created all that. He's the authority over that, and he's holding everything together with his mighty hands. Could you imagine if he decided to let go? I said I'm done. That's how powerful Jesus is. He is your foundation. And that is not someone who we just thank for our food. Father, thank you for this food. Please bless it to our bodies. So much more. I wonder, I wonder if the church has lost their awe of God. Their awe of who God is. That we read verses like that, okay, I read my scripture, wonderful. That we don't stop and embrace and understand what it's telling us. Our awe of God in our lives. Proverbs Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is awe. His majesty, His power, His authority over everything, including us. Pastor author Paul David Tripp writes in his book, titled, Awe. He says, I need the awe of him to recapture, refocus, and redirect my heart. And I would add, to renovate my life. If you, me, we, are going to walk through a renovation process, man, we need to have an awe of God, an understanding of who Jesus is, and that he is our foundation. That we trust him with our lives, our eternity. That he knows what's best. And when we do, when we do, something absolutely amazing takes place. When we surrender and give our lives to God, understand, okay, I I'm in awe of you. You have complete authority, complete power, and and I give you my life. When we do that, man, there is a positional change. There's a transaction that's taking place. There's there's a there's a metamorphosis taking place. We, We are being changed. Look at verse 21. Paul keeps on driving his home, says, you were once alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But, but, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. I don't think you can get any clearer your foundation <laughs> your foundation in life. your foundation that we're building on for this entire series is in your position in Christ. The one we're just like, "Oh, my word, He's amazing." Let's make it personal. My foundation in life is my position in Christ. Massive, big, powerful, loving God wants to have a deep, intimate, personal relationship with you. Say that with me. My position, my foundation in life is my position in Christ. I us say it again, my foundation in life is my position in Christ. But too often, we try to build the foundation all on our own. Either we come to Jesus, okay, I am all yours, I give you my life, and we continue building, laying the blocks down all on our own. Or we don't believe in Jesus, we don't care about God, and we're still going to build it on our own. And when we build the foundation, we leave it all to ourselves. Man, this is what life looks like right in front of me. Man, there is penalty. There is a penalty. There's consequences for the sin in our lives. And we pay for it. That we feel trapped Trapped by the decisions we've made in our past, trapped in the decisions we're making right now, and it seems like there's no way out, man. I just can't get out of this box. Or we look at our lives, okay, our, we feel dirty. We feel dirty, we feel we feel broken. We're filled with the world views, not Jesus' views, world values, not Jesus values, and we're to keep on living the world out, so we just man, I'm just dirty. Or we feel empty, lonely, isolated, no real joy in life, nothing to look forward to. This is what happens when we build on our own foundation. We build life on our own strength or our skill and ability. We feel like an enemy. We feel like an enemy of God because we're, we're living life completely opposite to his desires. And you always feel, you walk through life feeling like, man, God is just against me. Why can't I just get a break? So we feel like an enemy. And then, man, we come overloaded with guilt and shame. Why would God want me? Why would God love me? He knows what I've done. He knows how I've lived. That's the foundation on our own. Let me just tell you that is not what it looks like to have the foundation in Jesus Christ. None of that's true. So you may feel like, man, I deserve this penalty, rich. I need this penalty because what I have done. No, no, no. In Jesus, you are redeemed. All right. You may feel trapped. You feel like there's no hope. All alone, I can't get out. I can't do life change. In Jesus, with a foundation, you are not trapped. You are. Rescued, and in Jesus, you're washed away. What does it say? Without blemish, you are not dirty, in Jesus, you are holy. Friends, this is what it means to build the foundation in Jesus Christ. <laughs> you feel empty. Feel life is not worth living. All alone. That's not what it means to follow Jesus. That's what it looks like to live a life in Christ. Because you are not empty in Jesus, you have hope. Hope for a future. Hope to be with him for all eternity. Hope to receive, receive the Holy Spirit. Hope to move forward. Hope to move past what's in front of you, hope. maybe maybe you feel like an enemy and it feels so deep down buried in within you that you don't know how to do so maybe we maybe we just we need to just deconstruct some stuff in our lives and make room for God and say we're not going to be enemies because in Jesus we've been reconciled (laughs) we're not an enemy reconciled means we've been made right with God the right relationship keep on building that foundation in Christ. <clears throat> and we take all that guilt. And we take all that shame. And we bring it to the foot of the cross. And we say, in Jesus, we have been forgiven. Woo. I don't know what needs to hear that today. But that's what it means to walk with Jesus. That's what it means to build a foundation in Jesus. Maybe, maybe in this room wondering, Rich, what do I do now? I want all that Jesus gives. I want all that he has for me. I don't want to feel like I'm dealing with a penalty and trapped and dirty and empty and, and an enemy of God and be, and be filled with guilt. Rich, what do I do? I'm going to tell you this morning what you can do. Right now, I'm going to call our prayer team forward. If you're in this room, part of the prayer team, please come Come forward. And I'm going to ask you to be brave. I'm going to ask you to be courageous. I'm going to ask you to be bold. And stand up out of your seat right here, right now, and come forward and be prayed for. Oh, snap. Everybody's watching. So what? So isn't that big Jesus who's waiting for you. And if you're in this room and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you've never said yes to Christ, stand up in your seat right now and come forward and be prayed with, prayed over, and walk over the threshold of faith from death to life in Christ. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for years and you just revealed to you this morning that you've been building a foundation on your own. Get up. Right here, right now, come forward and be prayed. Prayed with, prayed for. Very interesting. Everybody in this room has that right with God. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the the work of your hands. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace poured on our our lives through your son, Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for Jesus. Jesus, that, oh man, you overwhelm me. If I just stop and, and read your word for what it truly means and understands it, you overwhelm me. And as we walk forward and walk through this series, God, I pray that you open our hearts, open our minds, help us be honest with where we're at, willing to dig down deep and bust some foundation loose and let you in. And let us start building it on you. God, we give you everything. In your son's name I pray, amen. God bless church, have an amazing week.